Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And it's very difficult to text and talk on the radio at the same time, in case you were wondering. I've heard we've had some uh, some problems with our signal the past few days that may have something to do with the weather. I'm not sure what's going on. We're trying to get that fixed for you. But anyway, I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Hope you all had a wonderful first day of your week yesterday. Church tomorrow, if you're in Las Vegas, join us at 6501 Westlake Mead Boulevard here at Liberty Baptist at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you with us for our midweek services. Coming up at the bottom of the hour today is Harry Pearson. He is a counselor with Focus on the Family, and he's here to talk about optimism and how it's about more than just simply having a good outlook. I'm looking forward to speaking with him, so stick around for that. Okay, so we're going to start the show today by answering a question. And this is a question that has been asked of me Rather, mm, a lot. <laughs> a lot since the election. Oh, I see what's happening. I think I know what our what our audio problem is potentially, but I'm not sure how to uh how to solve it exactly. Looks like one of our channels is not getting fed. Okay. So, the question is this though. What do we talk about now that the election is over? What do we talk about? What are you what are you going to do? How are you going to have a show? Well, it's, it's pretty simple actually. We're we're going to keep talking about the things that we've always talked about here on this show. We're going to talk about less campaigning though because the campaign is over, but we can still talk about policies and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what happens. We're going to continue to cover the headlines both politically and culturally and yes, we're even going to talk about football. By the way, Go Falcons. I think all of America, except for a very small sliver, wants the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Um, But I want you to understand something. Everyone who reports the news has a bias. I have a bias. As Mike Pence, well, Vice President Mike Pence now, as he says so well, I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. Now, that's it. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to helpfully help you think or make you think. And because of that, I want you to know this, just because I'm a Republican and Donald Trump is a Republican doesn't mean that I'm always going to agree with everything he may or may not do or say. As when Barack Obama was president, if he did something, I thought from the lens with which I view the world, which is Judeo-Christian traditionalism, uh, if he did what I thought was good, I praised him. If he did not, I gave my opinion in that regard as well. That doesn't change simply because we have a new president who has an R after his name. Personally, I believe that one of the reasons our young people are largely turned off by politics and the news and what's happening in the world is because of hypocrisy in the media. It's easier, so much easier to just play video games or mindlessly binge watch Netflix. Now, I'm not saying that playing video games or binge watching Netflix is inherently evil. And I definitely hope not since I did both. Well, at least I attempted to do both this past weekend. My 
Blu-ray player, which is connected to Netflix, is having problems connecting to my Wi-Fi. So if any of you know about such things and would like to volunteer to come and fix it, that would be very nice of you. But anyway, uh, it's things like this. They become an outlet and a distraction from what is happening in the world. It's easier to just do that than to actually care about what's going on. And I think that is largely due to the fact that if you turn on the news, there's just so much hypocrisy in how things are reported by both sides. And what I aspire to do is to have the same beliefs and the same standards for opinion and commentary regardless of who is sitting in the White House. Yes, we should always respect the office. We should always respect the individual holding the office. But respecting the office doesn't mean agreeing with everything they do. And to me, it's just so hypocritical when one side or the other makes a stink about everything a president does if they're not on their particular political side. But when their guy gets in, suddenly that person can do no wrong. But life doesn't work that way. Just because someone comes from your political party does not mean that you must agree with everything they say or do. And in reporting the news to you, that is where I come from. If a Democrat does something I believe is in the best interests of our country, I'm going to tell you so. If a Republican does something I believe is in the best interests of our country, I'm going to tell you so. If a Democrat does something I believe unbecoming of the office they hold, I'll tell you that too. And if a Republican does something I believe unbecoming of the office they hold, I'll tell you that too. That's what honesty in journalism is. If it was wrong when Obama did it, then it's still wrong if Trump does it. What's wrong doesn't change based on who is now the president and what letter is following their name. And by letter, I mean R or D. Which means, by the way, that if you threw a fit every time Barack Obama signed an executive order, should you really be celebrating when Donald Trump signs an executive order? It's things like this. It's a double standard and it needs to stop. Now, let me clarify that by saying, personally, I favor executive orders which undo previous executive orders. Totally okay with those. Beyond that, I think they should be used sparingly. Very sparingly. So anyway, that's our very long introduction for today because I've had people ask me different things about what we're going to talk about now or how you, how one reacts to what's happening in Washington, D.C. now that we have uh, President Trump in office and things like that. So we talked about this a little bit yesterday with Renita, but I want to get back to the Women's March on D.C. because we didn't get real in-depth on that. So, but I'm, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing because we already did it. But this story about Madonna... I think we need to address, and I think this is a good time to address it, because it's exactly what I've just been talking about, the hypocrisy that is so prevalent in our media and in our culture. This is from The Blaze. When Madonna was at the Women's Rally in D.C., this is the headline, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. This is what she said to the Women's March. Legendary pop star Madonna claimed at a women's rally in Washington, D.C. on Saturday that she has thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House now that President Donald Trump lives there. According to multiple reports, Madonna showed up at the anti-Trump rally on Saturday afternoon where she, slated, where she was slated to perform. But before singing, she spoke for a few minutes. During that time, Madonna cursed repeatedly on live television, calling detractors of the Women March 
well, I blank you. According to Heavy.com, Madonna also lamented over Hillary Clinton losing the election, saying that she believes Trump's win should wake us a blank up. To our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, blank you, Madonna explained. Then Madonna claimed that she has thought about blowing up the White House. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. But I know that this won't change anything. Apparently, news stations aired part of Madonna's speech before cutting her off due to her excessive use of curse words and offensive language. The Secret Service is now investigating. So, (laughs) she's thought about blowing up the White House and she's proclaiming this to the hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people that are gathered in Washington, D.C., and no one in mainstream media is calling this out? Again, imagine for a moment if Vince Vaughn or John Voight or some other celebrity with conservative leanings had stood up there when Barack Obama was president or if Hillary had been elected and said, yeah, I've thought about blowing up the White House since the election. That would be... A hate crime. That would be a terrorist threat. There would be boycotts. That person's career would be over. Toast. History. Kaput. Goodbye. But not, apparently it's okay if a Madonna says it. And by the way, is no one out there concerned that of the hundreds of thousands of women and young girls that participate in this march, that this is what they were hearing from their speakers? Cursing and terroristic threats? I mean, how exactly does blowing up the White House, the People's House, do anything at all to promote women's rights? And anybody? Anybody have an answer for that one? Also, I'm still trying to figure out which of my God-given rights as both a human and a female I have apparently instantaneously lost when Donald Trump was sworn in as president. Please, if you know... Can you, can you tell me? Because I really would like to know what rights I suddenly lost in the last, what is it now, four or five days? You can go to Facebook, go to Twitter. I'm there at the Friddle. And you know what rights I have lost as a female and a human since Donald Trump was inaugurated? I really would like to hear about them. Because apparently I missed something super huge because this, this must be a thing. Hundreds of thousands of people protested because I, I because women's rights have somehow been I, I don't even know what happened to them but something happened I mean we must have you know lost the right to vote or to work outside the home or to drive a car or something oh wait no this is America and we have those rights and yet women across the world are protesting America Does anybody know when the Worldwide Women's March for Women Actually Suffering, like women under Sharia law, does anybody know when that march is? Anybody at all? Let me know. I'll promote it. Gladly. That's what you should be. If you want to protest women not being treated as human, that's what you should be protesting. As far as I know, we haven't actually lost any rights whatsoever in this country since Donald Trump was elected president. Haven't found any. I've looked. Maybe you know of something I don't. Again, let me know. Facebook, Twitter, at the Friddle. Hit me up there. You know what March is awesome and which March the media won't cover? The March for Life coming up in Washington, D.C. this Friday. 
LifeNews.com had a great story. Alveda King, uh, on the Women's March, she's asked, who represented those little girls being aborted? The march organizers in Washington, D.C. over the weekend made it very clear that the event was opposed to the rights of females in the womb and those who speak up against abortion were unwelcome. Alveda King, the niece of Martin Luther King Jr. and director of African American Outreach for Priests for Life, said the Women's March on Washington was a missed opportunity to stand for every woman's rights. In an interview Sunday with Fox and Friends, King explained how she aborted her unborn child and struggled for years with pain and regret. She said that by supporting abortion, the march organizers ignored how abortion has hurt and destroyed so many women's lives, including her own unborn child's. I don't understand why, if this is a sisterhood, how they can leave out the little babies in the womb, the mothers who have been hurt by abortion. I think that's part of the message, King said. The little baby girls in the womb, what about them? Who is going to represent those little girls who are being aborted? The march took a decidedly pro-abortion turn a couple of weeks ago after initially touting itself as inclusive. It even welcomed several pro-life groups as partners. But just days later, abortion advocates learned about the partnership and made a huge fuss on social media. The march organizers caved to abortion activist pressure and kicked out the pro-life groups. In the midst of the debacle, the march organizers released an official platform that supported abortion. Then it highlighted the abortion business, uh, Planned Parenthood, as a premier partner and announced that CEO Cecily Richards was a guest speaker. Some pro-lifers marched anyway, refusing to be silenced by the pro-abortion bent of the march and its celebrity-studded rally. They marched to demonstrate that women's rights should include equal treatment and protections for every woman, including those in the womb. The march was held just before the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which opened the doors to abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. In the past four decades, the infamous decision allowed for the abortion deaths of nearly 60 million unborn babies and caused immeasurable suffering to women, men, and society as a whole. That's from Life News. Uh, Another story from Life News that I want to hit on... uh, Donald Trump, I believe, has signed or did sign three executive orders yesterday. Uh, one of them was a defunding of the of international Planned Parenthood. This is also from Life News. President Donald Trump signed an executive order to defund international Planned Parenthood. Most pro-life Americans are anxiously awaiting Congress to pass a bill to defund the Planned Parenthood abortion business. While that defunding legislation concerns the domestic-based uh, Planned Parenthood Abortion Corporation, President Trump has the ability to put in place an executive order that would revoke funding for its international affiliate. When pro-abortion former President Barack Obama took office, Obama overturned a policy that prevented funding of groups that promote or perform abortions overseas. The Mexico City policy covered over $400 million in federal funds, part of which flowed to the abortion business, International Planned Parenthood, and Marie Stopes International for their foreign efforts. As LifeNews.com reported, the pro-life policy had been in place during the entirety of the Bush administration, and Obama rescinded it on his first week in office. Named for a 1984 population conference where President Reagan initially announced it, the Mexico City policy made it so family planning funds could only go to groups that would agree to not do abortions or lobby foreign nations to overturn their pro-life laws. Today, Trump restored the Mexico City policy by executive order. The executive, and this was written yesterday, actually, so it was yesterday he did this, the executive memorandum to reinstate the Mexico City policy stops taxpayer funding of groups that perform and promote abortions overseas, but does not stop non-abortion international assistance. The order ensures U.S. foreign aid will continue to go to health care and humanitarian relief in the mill 
millions of dollars. It just will not subsidize abortion overseas. Leading pro-life groups were quick, quick to praise the new president. President Trump is continuing Ronald Reagan's legacy by taking immediate action on day one to stop the promotion of abortion through our tax dollars overseas, said Susan B. Anthony List President Marjorie Daniel Felser in an email to LifeNews.com. President Trump's immediate action to promote respect for all human life, including vulnerable unborn children abroad, as well as conscience rights, sends a strong signal about his administration's pro-life priorities. Reacting to the decision in a poll conducted by the Gallup organization, 58% of Americans opposed Obama's pro-abortion decision, while just 35% supported it and 7% had no opinion. Breaking down the new poll further, Gallup asked respondents to state their opinion on seven major actions President Obama had taken as president. Uh, Then it goes into... We don't need to know about that. just goes on and talks about when, uh, when Obama had signed had overturned this decision in the first place. Okay, so basically what you had happened, and I talked about this earlier with executive orders and hypocrisy and different things, this is not an executive order that I would look at and say, uh, why are we not being more careful with this? As I mentioned, executive orders that overturn previous executive orders, I'm completely fine with. Especially when the previous executive order that's being overturned was written to overturn something that I believe had been established for decades in this country. And had survived both Republican and Democratic presidents. So it's not, this is, this is huge, if you will. And I, I think it's fantastic. I could come up with other adjectives, but, you know, then I might be accused of things and of being, well, anyway. <laughs> Point being, I think this is great. And I would love to see this followed up with something, uh, happening with Planned Parenthood here in the United States. But that, I believe, is still sitting in Congress, and we are waiting on that. And honestly, I believe it is preferable for Donald Trump to wait. Let Congress do this. This is how it's supposed to work. Executive order should be used sparingly. Let Congress do its thing. Let Congress make a law. Let President Trump sign it. That is how it should go. That are the, that, those are the steps that should be taken, and that is what is in process right now. I know some people were like, well, he said we're going to defund Planned Parenthood here in the U.S. Yes, they're working on it, but they're trying to do it through the proper channels, and that is the way that it should be done. So patience, it is better in the long run if we let this come through Congress and then to the president's desk than if we simply have an executive order. It just is. And I don't have time to get into all of the nitty-gritty of why. Uh, I did want to mention one more thing from the Women's March, though. I forgot to get this in there when we were talking about it. But and then, I'll, and then I'll move on. We won't talk about the Women's March anymore after today. But one of the signs that's been circulating around on, uh, on social media is of a woman holding up a sign at the Women's March that says, I dream women will one day have the same rights as guns. Now, while on the surface that's like, oh yeah, if you're a leftist possibly, you want gun rights so we should have women's rights. Well, if women had the same rights as guns, then they would be banned from entering schools and college campuses. They would be banned from polling places on election day. You could be banned simply for looking too scary. Women would be banned from all airports. And women would be locked up 
or at least advised to be locked up when not, you know, I'm just saying it, it doesn't make sense. The whole thing doesn't make sense. <sighs> and that, you know, just all goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the show relating to uh, hypocrisy in the media and all different things. I mean, there was a university, guys, that gave out to college students, to college students, they gave these students juice boxes and Legos in a safe space to help them deal with the trauma of Donald Trump being inaugurated. I mean, if it wasn't so funny, or not, (laughs) if it wasn't so sad, it would be hilarious. College students, they're giving them juice boxes and Legos at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. I mean, was there sippy cups also available? Pacifiers maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I have to go to a break now because it is break time. So we are going to play Whom Shall I Fear from David Wesley. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Harry Pearson is a counselor with Focus on the Family. He's going to be here to talk with us about optimism and the importance of having a good outlook in life. Don't go away. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Dr. Harry, uh, Harry, excuse me, Dr. Harry Pearson is with us. He's a counselor with Focus on the Family. Dr. Pearson, how are you today? I'm doing well, Crystal. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. So I got this email from uh, from Focus on the Family the other day, and it was talking about how optimism is about more than having a good outlook. I guess the New York Times recently uh, did a did an article on a study that found that significant associations between increasing levels of optimism. Uh, and decreasing risks of death from cancer, heart disease, stroke, respiratory disease, and infections. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, well, that sounds all quaint and cute. Think positive and you'll be happy and successful. But what they're saying is this is actually true. Yes, very definitely, Crystal. And the more recent brain uh, research over the last number of years uh, actually takes it farther than the article did Hmm. that we're finding in research that our brains were designed to think to move in positive directions that when our when our brains are moving in positive directions proactive directions that it stimulates uh, healthiness throughout the whole body throughout the whole system but negativity on the other hand really uh, breaks down the whole system, hmm. our brains were not designed to go in negative directions. Isn't that interesting that yeah. God, the designer, did it that way? That is very interesting. So so if, we're, if our brains aren't wired to go and think negatively, why is it, you know, some people just seem like they have a more pessimistic outlook on life. So how, how do we equate those things? Well, um, you know, there there is an invisible adversary that's out there. Uh, uh, yes, and and he's he's not concerned about positivity at all. Uh, he he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, life. Uh, Jesus said, uh, "In this life, you will have tribulations. You will have difficulties and stress and complications and and conflict and controversy." But then it's. He said, be encouraged, though. Uh, take heart. I have overcome the world. So so in Christ, we can 
think positively in the middle of life's storms, uh, just as he walked on the water and was totally at peace in a storm, uh, we can do the same thing. Now, okay, so with thinking positively, you know, there's a there's a lot happening in the world. It's easy. I think it's easier sometimes to just think about the negative because we, we see it, we hear about it. Sometimes I think that either our, the media or just what we're involved with, sometimes the, the good things aren't right in front of us. So how do we, is it just a choice to think about what is good, like Philippians says? Uh, basically, yes. Um that regardless of all the difficulties in our lives, and, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, uh, pain and loss and grief and suffering and those kinds of things, damaging things taking place. Right now, you know, in our country, there's a lot of disagreement and unrest and those kinds of things. But yes, Crystal, we basically not only have the option to choose setting our minds on things above, on God and Christ, but we're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. We, we are supposed to uh, be, uh, be positive, be proactive, think on, on Christ and his wonderful gift of eternal life to us. I have to choose to do that, really minute by minute, and that keeps me healthy. It keeps me active and vibrant. I, I want to instead of being stressed and then wanting to not do anything and not be active because depression, anxiety, those kinds of things are, are debilitating to people and, and cause them to not want to be active or do anything, I choose to, to be proactive and to be involved with God and Christ and active in their work with other people. So yes, it is a choice. So so what I'm hearing you say is that not only is it a choice, not only are our brains not wired to think in a negative direction, that God has made us to think about good things, but that doing that is actually literally good for our physical well-being and our health. Very definitely, yes. And, and the studies, as uh, you brought out a few minutes ago, are showing that... that um, that positive thinking um, uh, promotes good health. And, and again, that's the way God designed it. And so we are to, I mean, Scripture tells us to be encouraging, mm-hmm. encourage ourselves in the Word, and to encourage other people to build each other up in the faith. Very proactive stuff uh, in the Word of God. Uh, and when negativity hits, to overcome it. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Take courage. I have overcome. So we are to overcome the negativity and the challenges and to involve our involve ourselves with people that are doing the same thing. Try to steer clear of negative people. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them out there. <laughs> so that's not going to be helpful no. for proactive living. <laughs> that's very true. And, and I think not only is it is it good for our health to think in a more uh, positive manner, but can it also help you encourage or be more successful in life and get you where you want to go and help you fulfill your dreams? Oh, very definitely, yes, because if you are a a positive thinker in God's direction, specifically, um, you're going to experience Him on, on deeper levels of intimacy, and that's life-changing. That's transforming. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote, present yourselves to God as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him through, through spiritual worship. 
do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As you are approaching God positively with thanksgiving, with praise and worship, he he responds to that in deep, intimate ways that will heal us of our hurt and pain, that will heal us of damaged areas, and make us healthy. That in itself, it's called sanctification. Mm. That will make us healthy, and then we will then encourage each each other to to pursue God in the same way and be healthy. Hmm. And so a very powerful process. Yeah, it, it really is. How are some ways practically that, you know, we, we talked a minute ago about how choo- thinking positively is a choice, you know, that we have a choice. We can choose to think about good things or we can choose to think about things that aren't as good. What are some things that you do practically uh, to encourage you to think about those good things? Well, uh, I would encourage people to to start out their day uh, with the Lord. Um, start out your day in, in prayer and praise and worship um, and in, in Scripture. Uh, read the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is wonderful, uh, and it is an encouragement. And, and we're told in Scripture that as we read it, it's written on our hearts and our minds, and that will put us in a direction of positive thinking and being proactive in the faith. So start out your day in prayer, in praise and mm-hmm. worship. Put on good music and praise the Lord. Read the Word. And then, uh, again, uh, associate yourself with people that are doing the same thing, that are mm-hmm. positive thinkers in Christ, proactive in their lives. Not that we're not going to be with people that are struggling but mm-hmm. we can then help them uh, to go in the right direction. Some of you might be really struggling with with depression, with anxiety, with other issues, with bad relationships, abusive relationships. You might need counseling. Uh, get good Christian counseling. You can call Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. Um, go to our website, FocusOnTheFamily.com. We want to help you, and we can connect you with Christian counseling. Uh, that that can be a help to you to be a positive thinker. To deal with your areas of hurt and pain and suffering through counseling, find a good church, be a part of a good church, have good Christian friends, and um, and have those kinds of relationships. Those are some basic things. Yeah, they, they they are, and they're great suggestions as well. Now, how do we? And I think you know this this isn't just about improving our. Uh, mindset as far as where, where we go and making ourselves successful, but can having this positive outlook and choosing to think good things, how does that help if we incorporate that into our family relationships, like with our spouse or with our children? Well, if you're a married person, you and your spouse are one. And so you're, the reason why you're one is because God designed it that way. And so, so the two of you should be uh, worshiping together, praying together, uh, experiencing Christ together as a couple, and then you bring that into your family. If you have children, you have a prayer time, a devotion time, a Bible reading and, and prayer, and, and you want to take on the qualities and the characteristics of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If I have anything going on in me that is unchristlike and unbiblical, I'm responsible to approach God to work on that. I can't just carry things through me in my or throughout my life that that I've inherited or or that life has imposed on me damage pain abuse uh suffering I can't just leave that alone 
I've got to deal with that in a positive, proactive way. I can't just have an anger problem mm-hmm. or or an isolation problem. I want to be by myself. I can't just have emotional issues that cause me to disconnect from my spouse and my family. I can't turn to drinking or drugs or porn or or stuff like that. I don't have that option. Mm -hmm. I've got to turn to God if I'm going to be a healthy individual. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm. That's a key statement that everybody misses. I have to love myself in Christ in order to take, to take care of myself in him so that I can be the man of God that he wants me to be, the husband, the father, and and the friend to others. I need to be a healthy person in Christ and to be pursuing healthiness every single day. I have to do that. I, I think that is so well said, and I think that's a perfect way for us to wrap this this segment up because, you know, everything we've been talking about here in the last few minutes and just choosing to think on good things and how that affects our mental health, how that affects our physical health, and how that helps us be successful both in our own personal lives and our family lives. I, I think this is a fantastic thing. And especially, you know, as we embark on a new year and people are always thinking about, you know, what New Year's resolutions and things they're going to do differently in the new year. If I, this should be on the top of everyone's list, is transforming your mind to think about good things, to think the way that God built your brain to think. Exactly. And especially in the face of all the negativity that's out there, you can be the shining light of God's glory in so many lives. Please do that. Amen. All right. Contact us at Focus on the Family. Yes, it's focusonthefamily.org, correct? Dot com. Dot com. Either one works, actually. Oh, okay. (laughs) But but dot com. (laughs) Dot com. and, uh, And yes, we would be happy to help you and talk to you. Uh, we also have a toll-free number for a helpline as well. All right. This has been Dr. Harry Pearson. Dr. Pearson works with Focus on the Family. He's also worked with the U.S. Department of Defense. He works at a number of universities and, and different colleges. And we really appreciate him taking the time to join us here this morning and talk about the importance of thinking about good things. Thank you so much, Dr. Pearson. I appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. Thank you, Crystal. My pleasure. And you, too. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. All right. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. We're going to play uh, Mighty to Save, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. You know, Michael Jordan was told that he was not a good basketball player when he was a young person. Thomas Edison failed in creating the light bulb more than a thousand times. He said, I figured out a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Walt Disney was told that he had no imagination. Imagine if those three individuals had listened to what people said to them and about them. Imagine how different our world would be. Imagine a world without Disneyland or Disney World or any Disney movies. Now, we could do without some of them, possibly. But none? Your entire childhood changed. Your children's childhoods changed. Imagine a world without a light bulb. Imagine if you still had to light candles and carry around lamps. Imagine if Michael Jordan 
hadn't been a great basketball player, there would be no Space Jam today. Just saying. Instead of focusing on the negative, those are just a few examples of people who focused on the positive of what they dreamed of accomplishing, and it gave them energy to keep going until they succeeded. I found that so fascinating, what Dr. Pearson was talking about, and the fact that science has now proven that our brains aren't wired. They aren't even wired to think negatively. Our brains are wired to perform their best when they are thinking about good things. How awesome is that? I love when science discovers what God already told us. It's like, think about good things. Here's what you should think about. And we're like, oh, okay, maybe, perhaps. No. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are right, think on these things. And that's what you can think about for the rest of the day, because I have to go away now. I have meetings and things, and you have to go to work or wherever you're going home. I don't know what you're doing, but I hope that as you go throughout your day, that you will think on good things. And before we go, let me remind you about Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. They're one of our sponsors here at KVXL. They offer insurance for basically anything that you need insured. Auto, home, life insurance. If you have something that can be insured, they can help you out. And if you mention KVXL when you call Mario Giannini State Farm for a no-obligation insurance quote, they'll donate $10 to Experience Liberty Radio just for you getting that quote. You can reach them at 702-982-3300. And we'd like to thank Mario Giannini State Farm for their faithful support of our weekly programming. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. But if you can't wait until then, you can find past episodes of this show, including today's episode, will be up momentarily. Well, when I say momentarily, I mean within the next few hours (laughs) on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search The Frittle Show and it will take you right to it. We're going to end the day with Steve Green and find us faithful. See you tomorrow. This is KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas.